Welcome to the Career Up Now Socially Distanced Close-Ups Israel Edition. I'm your host, Sophia Felsen. Today, we are joined by Giddy Mark, who is the international CEO of Tagli Birthright Israel, which is an organization that brings Jews from all around the world to Israel for free. They have brought over 750,000 young Jewish adults to date from 68 countries. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So I know you've been with the organization since the beginning. You were Birthright's first employee. Um, can you just share with me a little bit about your history and how you got to be in that position? Before I uh, came uh, to Birthright, I was a diplomat, an Israeli diplomat for about 16 years. I had the pleasure and the privilege to serve in many countries. I was serving in England and in Istanbul in Turkey and in Bonn in Germany, then in New York. And wherever I went, I saw that the common thread was my intimate relationships or love for the local Jewish community and the Jews who live there. So when I started with the Foreign Ministry, the then Director General of the Foreign Ministry said that an Israel diplomat is different than other diplomats because we are ambassadors to two clients. One is the local state and the other is the Jewish community. And I discovered very early that it was very, very true. And then I was serving in New York and then Deputy Foreign Minister of Israel Yossi Balin, who came with the idea of sending every young Jewish adult to Israel. Yeah, I bumped into him in the street like the story of Revolving Door, and he asked me what you're going to do. I said, I'm going back to work for the foreign ministry, and he said, I have a good idea for you to establish a new organization. Would you like to join in? And I said, yes, and I was interviewed by the two founders of the organization, Charles Bronf and Michael Steinard, and for some reason they didn't feel that I was too horrible, so they offered me to become the first employee. So I worked uh, during the preparation stage, uh, through the planning stage, and lucky I became the first director of marketing. And since uh, 2008, I've been the CEO of this organization. Amazing. I know a major part of your job is raising money so thousands of people can go on Birthright. What advice do you have for people going out and fundraising? First of all, never doing anything, not only fundraising, don't do anything that you don't believe in. Once you believe in the mission of your organization, raising money is not the main thing. Raising money is a vehicle for you to go forward with your vision. And I believe that the, the world is a, quite a complicated place to live in. But once you have a vision, you have a direction, you know where you want to go, it's easier to go the way and the understanding that you need money for doing that, you know, that money makes the world go round. And I think that it is becoming an automatic trait of yours that, you know, I'm selling the product. I'm not selling the request for the money. And I believe that everybody, all of the foundation that support us at least, and the people who give us money do believe in the vision. They don't believe in the money. They understand that they have the money for higher cause. And in this case is to make sure that we have a future of vibrant Jewish people. And if you don't connect people to your vision, there you don't have any chance to raise enough money. Yeah, I haven't done much fundraising myself, but I can definitely understand that fundraising is more about um, bringing people into the vision that you have rather than selling them a product. But it's like making sure they feel included in the thing that you're trying to create. 
I believe that at least in what we do, we regenerate, we energize, we are creating a new, better place for Jews to live in, regardless where they live. And uh, I think that this is a common thread or this is a common denominator that connects all of our donors into and, and people understand that the vision combined with high level of execution is the best insurance for all of us to make sure that our children are going to live in a better place than we are living in now. Although I think that our world, all in all, this generation is very privileged one. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, Birthright is about creating experiences, fun experiences, and I think the buses are a big part of that. I know that you visit a lot of the buses. Can you share a story of an impactful moment that really touched you, one of your most touching Birthright moments, either on the bus or just in one of the programs? You know what? I'll tell you a story of about three, four weeks ago, which is very personal. I had to go through operation. So the doctor who had to, who was in, in charge of the anesthesia, is asking me, what's your name? What are you doing? I said, uh, my name is Gidi Mark, and I work for an organization that brings young Jews to Israel. What's the name? I said, Taglit, that's the name in Israel, which means discovery in English. And he said, wow, what are you doing in Taglit? And I'm lying on the bed. He's standing behind me two minutes before I go to the operation. And he said, so I said, I'm the CEO. Are you the CEO of Birthright Israel? You know, 20 years ago, I used to be, I was a soldier during the first year of Birthright and it changed my life. I said, how come? And he says, this is the day that I decided to become a physician because there were some physicians coming from the United States, we became friends. This is something that is only recently, and everywhere you go, you hear these 10 days changed my life, these uh, five magic words, you know, this trip changed my life. You see it all over, and uh, there is a combination of the experience itself and the magnitude, because we are touching today the size of half a generation of young Jews. Uh, there is no bigger Jewish educational organization today around the world for all ages, especially for this age group. And funny enough, we are constantly uh, being approached by other countries asking us to give them advice how to establish something like birthright for Korea, birthright for Macedonia, birthright for other countries, for Greece. How can you connect uh, the younger generation to their homeland, to their past, in order to create a future? Because I believe that if you know, don't know your past, you are no, never going to go to find a good future. So it's all interconnected. Wow. Um, have you helped any other countries develop something like Birthright for them? Yeah, there are, there are a few countries around the world that we were advising. There are today like Birthright organizations in Greece. There was a beginning in Macedonia. Ireland was trying to establish, I don't know their status right now, but there are five to 10, there is something which is uh, connected to Cuba for ex-Cubans. And this is the notion of homeland tourism. It's called homeland tourism that is now getting more and more attention amongst the people who deal with tourism. This birthright really pioneered this uh, type yeah. of, of work. In terms of uh, even in, uh, in spite of the fact that we Jews are very small, tiny people in the world, uh, we are the largest. Birthrate is the largest educational travel organization in the world today. Wow. And uh, the numbers impressive, 50,000 people a year plus about 10,000 Israelis. It's, uh, altogether, it's uh, quite impressive, especially putting in place the proportions. 50,000 for us, it's almost half a cohort. In China, of mm -hmm. course, it's nothing. 
Right. Obviously, Birthright relies on being able to travel. What new challenges or opportunities does the pandemic present for Birthright? So first of all, I don't like the fact, not even personally, you know, professionally, it's not good as a person who, or an organization that deals with tourism. The worst that can happen is <laughs> the stopping of flights. So that happened to us also, you know, we were growing gradually from about 2,000 people who came to Israel every year to 50,000 last year. And we know that we will have to have some patience until we get back to the same numbers. So for us, it was a big blow. However, luckily, we always are trying to have one very stabilized uh, pivot uh, leg that stands on the ground and the other is always looking for a new direction. So in every a moment, we have several plans on the shelf waiting to be executed. We never, never have enough time to do that because we have so much demand coming from the field to increase numbers of birth at Israel. So alongside a very, very bad situation, and I'm not talking, um, of course, about the people who were personally hit, etc. I'm talking now only about the professional side which is very bad for birthright. However, there are many, many opportunities. Uh, so first of all, once it started, we immediately increased dramatically the numbers of online virtual relationships with our future participants, previous participants, alumni. And we've been doing much, much more in the last uh, seven, eight months that we have been doing in the last 20 years put together. And we have gotten across millions of young Jews, connected them to get to meet of course, online, which is not as strong as being physically in Israel, but still it's a beginning of something. And we are doing better and better job in that. And also we are looking for other opportunities to bring maybe participants for longer time in Israel. So the time in Israel will justify the potential quarantine of 10 days or 14 days when people come. But if they would be able to come for longer term, maybe they would consider. We do a lot and it gave us also the opportunity to clean up the database that we never have time to. And we have the largest database in the Jewish world. We had, we had close to 300,000 and now we are going very fast forward towards the half million and then 750,000. So it gives us also a lot of opportunities these days. And we work in terms of hours a day. We work at least as much as we used to work before. <laughs> I've been hearing that from a lot of people that during yeah. COVID, they work maybe twice as much than they were before. That's true. That's yeah. true. But at least it's, it's allowing people to think outside of the box and connect with people in new ways. So maybe that's an upside to this whole pandemic. Who knows? Yeah, there is an upside in every, I believe, especially we Jews must always remember that even when it is the worst, it is not the worst. There are always opportunities to resurrect, to stand up, to find other options to, to live, to find meaning in life. And I think that that's what we are trying to do. And I think Israel is representative of that and of the Jewish community and, and its determination. Um, you've been a diplomat for many years. You've been the CEO of Birthright for 20 years now. Uh, you seem incredibly passionate about Israeli history and culture. Is, what is your favorite moment in Israeli history? 
First of all, to be accurate, I'm the CEO only from 2008. I'm the first employee. However, I don't remember the point in time, but I'm very much connected to the May 15, 1948, the establishment of the State of Israel. In general, I really feel that I'm very privileged and lucky to live in my generation because my generation is we have the luck to live in a sovereign state where Jews could can say as Jews whatever they want. There are some countries around the world that they are still making it possible, but not too many. And I feel that I'm part of a sovereign group of people who decide their own future. And it's a very rare time in our history uh, whose majority of history was outside of the state of Israel. Luckily, my parents chose to come over. It all began with the Independence Day, which was declared, the independence was declared by the first prime minister of Israel, David Ben-Gurion. For me, is a really hero, a role model. Beautiful. Evidently, you thought it was important to bring Jewish kids to Israel. Is there a core value that guides your life that you would want to impart to them? Wow. There are many core values. I think that the uh, one of the strongest ones should be that if you will it, it is no dream. This is a very famous center sentence uh, which was used by a divisionary of the state of Israel, Theodore Herzl. And I really believe that as long as you don't forget your integrity in every moment in your life, you need always to pursue your dreams, go forward, and everything is possible. If you will it, it is no dream. If you try to do it alone and you are successful, try to find partners, try to find friends. Usually it's easier to do things with friends. I learned it <laughs> on my own, uh, through my own experience. And uh, the fact that we bring, for example, participants to Israel with a group, really allow people to discover new perspectives. I believe, for example, that people must move. People need to move all their lives because it gives you the energy to look, to see things from different perspectives and it really enriches your life. So once you come from wherever you are, you know that we bring participants from 70 countries, mainly of course from the United States, but one, you move from your regular place. You move to another country, you meet new friends, it really forces you to think about yourself. Who I am, where I'm coming from, so, if I know, start to think about, and we don't give you any answer, answer always resides with you. You know better than anybody else who you are and where you want to be. But we really give you the opportunity of 10 days to think about yourself. You don't have, believe me, you are very young, but people don't have too many opportunities in, in their lives to think together with a group about who they are and where they want to be, in this, especially in this uh, very, very important time of the life, which is between university, during the university or after university, that's the magic of birthright Israel. People are enriched, regardless of Jewish or not Jewish, they are enriched personally. Mm -hmm. Speaking of moving, I think a lot of people are considering making Aliyah, especially right now as uh, anti-Semitism. I mean, it's always been on the rise, but now it just seems like it more than ever. And for those people who are considering moving to Israel or wanting to move to Israel, those college students or young professionals, what would be your advice to them? We are, you know, by mere of coincidence, this is the weekly portion of the Torah of Lech Lecha, where God tells Abraham, go, go from the place that you are. It was in Ur, it was in uh, today's Iraq. Go to Canaan, to Israel. 
to the country of, of, of Israel. And it's about moving. And I personally believe that Israel should not convince people to come. I think that people should want to come. And a big portion of the Israelis who live today in Israel were not born in Israel. And I think that every immigrant who comes to Israel enriches the state of Israel because it gives us the pluralism that we need so much. It gives us uh, the education, it gives us the richness that people come with. And for Israel, Aliyah or immigration is one of the blessing, the blessed assets that Israel that Israel has because it really gives us the ability to be one foot higher than we are. And I, I would suggest to people who think about moving, come on birthright first of all. Come on birthright. If not, ask us how it is. Don't ask me. I'm too old for you. But ask your <laughs> peer groups. We can connect you to anywhere. We have people in Israel who came from the United States at the age of 25. But if you're 26, we can connect you to somebody 26. <laughs> we have about 100,000 Israeli alumni who participated on birthright as part of the groups when usually they served in the IDF, in the Israeli Defense Forces, and more than eager to communicate with anybody who comes to Israel to tell them how life it is. It's not easy. It's not easy. If you want to come to Israel to lie down and rest on the beach all the time, don't do it. There are better beaches. Although I love the beach of Tel Aviv, which is one of the most beautiful beaches in the world. But Israel gives you once in a lifetime opportunity to shape your own identity and life in a place that you choose and not other choice for you. So it's very challenging, but once you are about to die at the age of 250, you are going to say to yourself, wow, I did it. So I myself was born to immigrants. I did not have the privilege to make the decision to move to place. And whenever I see people, for example, like yourself, who come from places that the standard of living is higher than Israel, and I say, wow, I really, really envy these people who made the decision to look for meaning instead of sitting down, making their bucks, uh, eating uh, popcorn in front of the television and finish their lives after 100 years. I don't say that there is no very, very rich content in living somewhere else, of course, but as far as people are coming to live, to become my next door family, because I feel that the, every Jew around the world is part of my family. But if they come over to Israel, I feel that it makes me feel much better. So people who want to move over to Israel should not pack, package everything and move tomorrow. Ask and come over. I think that you should come for 10 days with birthright. And then there are other organizations like um, Onward that allows you to come for 10 weeks. And then there is Masa for one year. You can uh, jump directly to Masa if you want. And then you can live like an Israeli in Israel for a year. This is also a great opportunity. If you don't like it, go back. But at least you know that you had the great time of living somewhere else. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and wisdom for the Career Up Now Socially Distanced Close-Up Podcast. I look forward to keeping in touch and I wish you the best. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you so much.